Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yes, I pray. Yes, I speak with online strangers. Yes, I speak with friends. It's a combination of lots of different things. But I guess for a lot of people, religion or spirituality for some people can can play a big role in terms of loneliness because i guess if people feel like they've got that direct connection with god that can kind of quench their thirst of loneliness at time or kind of give them something she would say hi i'm francesca specter and you're listening to alone month the podcast that broadens the conversation around alone time. Each episode, I ask my guest about the time they spend by themselves and why it matters. At the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a good or bad experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. Be kind, see the good, do it differently. These are just some of the mantras my guest this week, activist and politician Majid Majid, lives by. His so-called Ten Commandments first appeared on a poster for Tramlines, a local music festival in Majid's hometown of Sheffield in 2018. The same year Majid made history, as Sheffield's youngest ever Lord Mayor at the age of 28. He was also the first Muslim person to ever take up the role. Majid later went on to serve as a member of the European Parliament up until the UK left the EU in January 2020. Majid is someone who does things differently. During his time as mayor, he appointed a hip-hop artist as the city's poet laureate. It's this spirit that saw him named by Time magazine among their top 100 global rising stars in 2019. Today, we're here to discuss his latest book, The Art of Disruption. In the foreword, Majid writes, From the outside, mine is an unlikely story. I'm a Somali-born, working-class, black Muslim immigrant who fled conflict as a small child and ended up in Sheffield. I grew up being told that people like me weren't made for political office and that I couldn't make a real difference. I'm living proof that even in the most difficult of circumstances, there is hope. What characterised this interview for me is that I had absolutely no idea what Majid would say next. 
What follows was an ever surprising, thoroughly enjoyable and insightful reflection on aloneness and loneliness. Majid tells me about the creative ways he uses to avoid isolation, including chat roulette, couch surfing, and how taking part in a 30-day drug trial gave him a sense of community and purpose. We also discuss the difference that a close community can play in alleviating loneliness. Sheffield, I learned, is described as the UK's largest village where you rarely feel anonymous on the streets. Finally, Majid tells me the essential role that praying five times a day plays in his alonement. I was so inspired by this interview and I hope you will be too. Hello, hello. How are you? How is lockdown three treating you? You're fine. I've been like just just at home. I tend to be staring at screens most of the day, you know, honestly. Of course, like, I'm catching up with friends and stuff. And I don't know. I think I've just adjusted to it. Just trying to not spread anything and trying to <laughs> do the best I can, you know. Honestly. I thought of getting a cat, I'll be honest, because I live by myself. But then I just realized like a cat is just not for lockdown. It's for life kind of thing. So I just thought, yeah, probably not. Because I know, like, I'll, I'll be back to being active and traveling and stuff like that. But yeah, all is good. How have things been for you? Yeah, yeah, um, more or less pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I lived alone before this, although it's very, very different during a pandemic. It definitely is a, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that about getting a cat. I heard this. I don't know about London, although I imagine it's the same. I heard that in New York, there was a shortage of cats, quite literally, cats and dogs. They sold out in the rescue centers because at the start of the pandemic, everyone needed one. I really hope that they continue. Like, it's great thing, the fact that there's a lot of cats and dogs being fussed. I hope that they continue being fussed and people just don't be like, yeah, in fact, actually, like, yeah, I'm done with the cat and the dog. You can have it back. <laughs> Yeah, you're so right. It's the yeah, dogs, you know, dogs and cats, not for Christmas and not for the pandemic. (laughs) I'm really interested to hear that you live alone because uh, one thing I was really intrigued to ask you actually today, as someone that's hugely charismatic, someone that's very socially intelligent, I know from reading your book and makes friends very easily. On the flip side, how are you at being alone? <laughs> I actually really enjoy my own company. In all honesty, I'm good being by myself. And I can keep myself entertained really, really well. And I, I'm not someone that gets bored. Like I literally just can never get bored because either there's things that I need to do or there's loads of things I'm just interested in that I can just keep myself occupied in. So I remember like some of the things I've been doing like during the lockdown is like, do you, you remember like chat roulettes and Omega and all that sort of Honestly, like when I'm cooking and stuff like that, I literally would just jump on a random one and I'll just be basically just chatting with random people around the world just while I'm... And it's just quite because it's just, I guess it's a different way of meeting people. Of course, it's not with the intention of making friends or I don't know, some people make friends, with them, but it's just like, yeah, just do random things like that and at any given moment, I'm... I guess I'm fortunate of that. I know I can just pick up a phone call, whether that be call friends, whatever. I, 
that's what I'm saying. Even if I didn't have that, like I will jump on Omegle or chat roulette and you speak to strangers. <laughs> but that's just me. And I, and I appreciate like some people can't or like it's not something they're comfortable speaking like with people they've never met before in their lives if they're feeling lonely kind of thing. And because I, I tend to do that more like if it's like two or three o'clock in the morning and I'm like wide awake and I just want to like, I'm, I'm doing something and I just want to speak with some people. The world's a big place and there's some parts of the world that are fully awake and people on it. But it's, I guess it's, um, of course I speak to friends and all that, but I mean, it was hard at the beginning, if I'm being honest with you, but I just feel like I've adjusted. But yeah, so honestly, I'm good. I'm good like it's, I'm good with being alone. So how long have you lived alone? Since I moved back to Sheffield in March and literally just before the lockdown, and cause to, to kind of take it back a bit. So Brexit and so I was living in Brussels, even though I was in like coming to the UK every week, but I was kind of predominantly based in Brussels. And then I came back in March, like literally just like a couple of days before the lockdown. And funny enough, I, cause I was flirting with the idea of moving to London, but I was like, it didn't appeal to me, but just cause I knew I was going to be in London quite a lot. So to compromise, I said that I will, get a flat next to the train station as close to the train station as possible. And it's literally like a four, three, three, four minute walk. So then, um, I guess I kind of ended up moving to Sheffield. And guess how many trains I've caught since March? <laughs> Absolutely. Zero, zero. Like I've not even caught a single train. So just because I like it, I anticipated I was going to be in London or just traveling through London. So it was quite a lot, but it's just then we're in, it was a pandemic. And so, yes, yeah, so I've basically been living here since March. Yeah, I guess there's some good aspects of like living by yourself, just because I guess you don't have to compromise in things. I guess when you live with housemates and stuff like that, you kind of always having to kind of compromise and you're like, I'm like, would that be like the bathroom shower? There's lots of things like that where I guess when you live by yourself, it's just you take full ownership like of the good and the bad uh, kind of thing. So it's uh, it's fine. Do you have any sort of live alone habits or rituals you've gotten into that you just didn't think would be you before you lived alone? Like, good question. Um, in terms of live alone kind of habits, it's um, so for example, like I'll probably like stand up. I'll probably leave things in the like. I don't. I don't wash up straight after myself. So I probably might leave it. Do it the next day, kind of thing. Whereas I guess when I was living with people, I kind of like instantly kind of wash up after myself. I don't know. Like, I guess I probably like sometimes like, I might like walk around the house naked, which I guess you won't be able to do that <laughs> if you live with people. Or maybe you, maybe you've got that kind of relationship with your flatmates. I don't know. It's just, it's not even a thought to do what comes naturally, is it? Exactly. You don't think, you just do it basically. Yeah, I haven't heard of anyone who walks around naked in front of their flatmates. But, you know, maybe maybe someone listening to this is thinking, oh, you're also repressed. And <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But no, definite, definite perk. And, uh, you know, your, your book is titled The Art of Disruption. And the interesting thing about that to me is that disruption is one of those brilliant words that can be good or bad, depending on the context. And the word alone is exactly the same you know it can be the best thing in the world it can be the worst thing in the world and it depends how people use it in a sentence so you know for you does the word alone have good or bad connotations for me it has a um, good connotation so basically do you know it was before and um, 
before the pandemic, uh, because this is what it is like, you can live alone, but still be busy. So like, I can just literally be out and about busy, interacting with souls, having lots of people come around, all that sort of stuff, but still be living alone kind of thing. Whereas the pandemic has really forced me to be alone, kind of like in terms of like less interaction with people and stuff, which is also, I guess, and also because I was living such a fast paced life before the pandemic, it's kind of really forced me to um, reflect more and kind of really address certain things and just like, so it's been, honestly, it's been quite positive um, being alone and kind of just and uh, thinking a lot more. I kind of just not, you know, just kind of having to reflect and kind of like, yeah, be one with yourself more than than I would have been if there wasn't a pandemic. So yeah, the word alone to me, it's like, I know it's got like, for me it's not a negative term in all honesty like sometimes i'll be honest with you i look forward to being alone and it's like it's so and um, yeah it's for me it's, it's it's not a negative it doesn't produce a negative feeling and have you always been like that or you know that that looking forward to being alone is that always something you were able to do yeah do you know i am definitely um I definitely love energy. I love being around people and I love, I'm like definitely a people's person. I kind of love all the energy, but it's, it, it requires a lot of energy at times. And at times I'm just like, yeah, I just want to just literally get some food and just chill out by myself, basically. So yeah, so like it's, yeah, I've always kind of valued my alone time. And, you know, and I guess it's a privilege as well because if you live in a big household and it's, but it, it can be difficult to kind of like, I guess the only sanctuary you'll have is your bedroom kind of thing. Uh, but even then, like if there's music or noise, or whatever, you may not have that. But yeah, so it's saying, I guess I've always, um, yeah, I've always kind of really, and I talk to myself, like, like I'm the sort of person, like I would talk to myself and not in a like bizarre kind of way, but like, I'll think out aloud if that makes a sense. So like it's yeah. So I'll just be talking to myself, just going about my business. It's just whatever. Think just think of whatever thoughts that you some that you have in your head or that you're thinking about. But you're basically just you just say, and I'm not like creating fictional characters and I'm kind of like play rolling kind of thing. But it's uh, but yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's like the privilege of being alone or living alone kind of thing. But at the same time, like it's, I, I, I'm someone that's comfortable going to a restaurant alone and having dinner. Like it's, I've literally, I've, I've got no issues going to the cinema by myself, which I've been, I've done before many times. Whereas people instead will find that so like, all of, I was speaking to friends, like, no, I could never like sit at a restaurant by myself or go to the cinema by myself. I'm saying, but why not? Or like literally like, I'll be at the cinema or I'll FaceTime someone while I'm eating or I'll just be watching a, like some on BBC iPad documentary or something, just enjoy my own company kind of thing. And just like, so yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I, I won't be talking to myself in public, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I'm at home, I tend to be talking to myself. Yeah, yeah. My favorite situation to do that in is when, so if I'm doing something like, say I've you know, got into an Instagram rabbit hole and I'm sort of scrolling and scrolling, mm-hmm. Or, you know, on my fifth episode back to back of The Office or whatever. And um, and I just, I need to get up and motivate. I'll be like, yeah, you know, come on, come on. Like, you know, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, or, or maybe you're having a go at yourself as well. You're like, what, really? Like, is that like, <laughs> did you really? So, yeah, so it's like, and, and yeah, it's just like just your thoughts. Yeah, like the sort of disciplinarian comes out and yeah. sort of tells you to do it better. Yeah. Obviously, every area is different. I, I feel like in London, maybe it, it was becoming more normal to do things by yourself would you say in Sheffield that's the case or is there still maybe a stigma around doing things alone in public I can only I guess I can only speak and um, for Sheffield but honestly I think I don't know Sheffield's always been uh, we call it and it's also known as England's biggest village even though like it is the fourth largest city in England but in the sense that it has got that village mentality where people do say hello to each other there are you will have conversations at the bus stop kind of thing like so it's got that aspect of basically even if you are alone by yourself it's people say hello to each other kind of thing so it's in terms of like i don't know like it's i think people just go about their business and even if they are kind of alone i think put it this way i think people are more people would be more comfortable doing things alone by themselves because they'd feel as if like other people will be around them kind of thing because it has got such a welcoming feel to it. They wouldn't necessarily feel alone, even though they're doing things alone, which as a result may kind of make them feel comfortable to do things alone. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's not because in, you know, I guess um, in London, you feel quite anonymous most of the time. Mm. I like what you say about, I've never actually heard that thing about the UK's biggest village, but it, you know, it makes sense. And you know, I, I sort of had this because I I lived in Liverpool until I was 13. And when I moved to London, you know, I was a teenager, but I remember how weird it was that you couldn't say hello to people on buses. You know, that you wouldn't... I was so used to saying hi to the bus driver when you get on, and that isn't a thing here. And I think that, that sense of, yeah, that, that sense of, you know, how alone are you when you're alone does mm. change. 100%. So if you are living by yourself, you probably jump on the same bus, so you'll say hello to the bus driver. The bus driver will know you. Probably like see the same people on your route, kind of thing. So, even though you're alone, you're not necessarily you don't feel alone, kind of thing. Which I guess really helps in terms of like mental health and just so many other layers in life and kind of thing. Whereas, can you imagine living like in a big city like London? Not only are you living alone, but you're basically anonymous, and people look straight through you, kind of thing. And you'd feel as if like. If, if you were to disappear, people wouldn't necessarily kind of know, I guess, unless you find me friends, but it's like, yeah, so it's, people tend to look out for each other. Maybe it's just a Northern thing, in all honesty, <laughs> but it is, and yeah, something that's good quality about living in Sheffield, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? But it's, it is one of the general Northern things that people talk about, like Northern South divide that people talk about. And, you know, I must say anecdotally, I do remember that, moving here even as a really young person I remember how different it was I think it's so important to make that that distinction that yeah eating in a restaurant alone in Sheffield isn't isn't kind of the same because you might bump into someone you know or you might you know be on just generally more friendly terms or whatever Mm, exactly yeah you know we spoke about the potential for loneliness and how in London it's a lot more anonymous in Sheffield you have that connection and it's much better in that respect um in in the book you do open up quite a lot about loneliness you say you know you write uh like everyone 
I often feel lonely. And you you write about how you've used um, vulnerability and learning to open up to people as a means of getting you out of that loneliness sometimes. How How is that journey going for you now? <laughs> Do you know, it's, uh, put it this way, I, I'm someone that's, I'm actually like, even though as much as I am a social person, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm a better listener than I am a talker. I, I, I'll be reluctant to, I guess, like open up to people or kind of like share things, that kind of aspect kind of, so like, so I guess that kind of like at times you'd like, you'd feel as if like you're alone in kind of trying to like fight certain struggles or kind of deal with certain things. And it's like something I've just gotten used to. Of course, I also understand and appreciate the value of basically opening up and kind of like sharing, which I guess does require an element of being vulnerable, of being open and being seen and kind of thing. So it's, um, but it's also a hard thing. Like it's, it's, it's interesting in the respect that it's, we get raised up being told that like showing, like being vulnerable is a sign of weakness or kind of like you can't be, you can't be seen to be vulnerable kind of thing. When it's, in fact, it's actually the complete opposite of weakness. Honestly, it takes, it's, it's a, a lot of strength, probably like to literally open up and basically be vulnerable. And it's like being vulnerable is like the birthplace of joy, of creativity, whether that be even like in a relationship, whatever it is, it's like, it's it takes a big it's a big ass to kind of completely um, be vulnerable in that respect. Mm. Do you think that there's um do you think there's a gendered aspect to that as well? Do you think as a man you find it harder to open up or you find it it's less it's, acceptable? I've I've you can argue, you can argue traditionally, yeah, in terms of like probably like yeah, possibly, you know what I say, but it's um I'm sure women also kind of struggle being vulnerable at times as well, but it's just, um, I guess it's just it's an ongoing thing that we try to um, work on, basically. And it's like, I guess because I felt like I've always been like self-reliant and kind of been like, I can sort everything myself kind of thing. But of course, it's like, everyone's going to like, goes through ups and downs. And as they say, a problem shares a problem half. And of course, don't get me wrong, I've got an amazing support network with friends and family and kind of thing yeah I like that you say that that's you know it's an ongoing journey it's something you're sort of working on it's there was a part of the book where you talk about an experience in your 20s when you were feeling quite lonely and depressed and I think that Mm. the the business that you'd started out of university the digital marketing business um you'd had to close it down because it, it wasn't going where you and your where you and your partners wanted it to go and your solution to that really intrigued me because you um, you signed up to a 32-day uh, medical trial, <laughs> which is amazing. And the way you describe it, you say it's, you say like it's a cross between a youth club and a hospital. Um, and, you know, and at the end you say it's, it was an awesome summer camp. Tell me about that loneliness <laughs> cure. Honestly, it was, uh, I guess, yeah, it was... Um... I guess we all kind of have really low points in our lives and you're just trying to figure things out and stuff. And I just kind of just saw this opportunity as advert and I was like, this actually sounds quite cool. And I just basically signed up and it it was a, it was like basically like think about being in a facility for 32 days that you can't leave. Well, I guess you could leave. Like, like, no one's got a gun to your head kind of thing, but you're not like, you're not allowed to kind of leave within the rules kind of thing. 
But it was honestly just amazing. Like it's, I was fortunate enough to be in a room like on the study with some amazing people that from different walks of life that I would have never had ever met before. And I guess when you're in that kind of intense environment and you're in close proximity with these people and you're seeing them every day and you're going through the same experience every day, you really do form a unique bond and kind of thing that will that will stay with us for the rest of your life because it's under really unique circumstances. And it said, honestly, it was like fair enough. Like apart from we kind of had to get injections, it was it was great. Like in terms of like it's, and it was just it was fun. It was um, kind of like yeah, it just seemed like a bit of like it's very therapeutic. Like it's literally there was breakfast in bed. I'm even kidding. Like everything was like it was. It was it was a weird experience, and for me anyway. And I guess it'd be interesting because everyone that other like um, volunteers that took part in that would have had different experiences. But I think on the whole, we did all kind of really enjoy. It and I kind of thought, for my part, it, it, it was just kind of just what I needed at the time that I didn't know I needed. Kind of thing. It was just an opportunity that just kind of went on on a whim. It was interesting to see this described in your book because it's. I mean, it's it's a fascinating story, and I think. I think even hearing about medical trials at the moment, especially with all the COVID vaccine trials at the moment, everyone's very intrigued by that. Yeah, so t- this is what it is, right? So it's uh, medical trials have been going on for years. It's, it's, it's a known thing, right? So it's the thing is, like with medical trials, is they they don't ever take you on to be a participant unless you're classed as a healthy volunteer. And there's lots of lots of rigorous tests and stuff like that. And a part of the um, ethicals is that you're not allowed to leave. Uh, you have to leave the same way you kind of came in, basically. So there's like, nothing. and I was fortunate enough that I, had, I was on the placebo. I had no issues. And I, even other people, like, there was no side effects other people had or anything like that. So it, it, it was just great fun. And I was just like, it's, and I'm sure there'll be people that said, that'll say, oh, for them, it wasn't fun kind of thing. But maybe my, like, I was fortunate enough that the group that I was in and stuff, that it was great. And we just all kind of got along. And it was, yeah. It was bizarre, yeah, bizarre experience, but it was. And you, you met lots of people. You said you met someone who's now one of your closest friends. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, uh but it's even like it's uh, the the cohort that we ended up like we all kind of went out afterwards with the staff as well, the cl- like clinical staff, and it's just like it's because you do not even just with other people with this, you do become kind of bond with someone like over especially over 32 days every day all the time yeah yeah just another thing i just thought about you know like it's have you have you ever heard of couch surfing yeah the, the website the social kind of like so like is if so i used to um for anyone that travels by themselves so i like it's i use it quite a lot when i used to travel so it's basically think of it as airbnb but for free but with the main focus of hospitality and exchanging stories and whatnot. so the first time I used it, I was traveling to Brazil. I was going to Brazil for four months, right? And I've never been to Brazil before. And this, the website, that you, your profile is basically you got references and all this sort of stuff, right? And I had zero references because I've never used it before. So I reached out to some like uh, guy that lived in Brazil. And it was this gay couple. And then they picked me up from the airport, Francesca. I've never met them before, bear in mind, right? Introduced me to their family. And I'm just like, how do they know I'm not crazy? Kind of so there's always this element of like, I don't know, judgment that you kind of have to make. So anyway, so that for me, and then they introduced me to the family. And then ever since then, I've couch surfed in lots of different places. 
But then there was a period when I was like living in Sheffield where I would host people from like all around. I think I host like 40 different people at a different time from all around the world. That was basically um, one that was traveling by themselves and just like, like wanted to kind of come and uh, meet somebody like, cause even when you're traveling, I guess even if you stay in a hotel, you can still feel alone. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting to me that your roots out of loneliness are quite, they're quite creative. You know, it's not just, it's not just leaning on those people that are close to you, even though I know that you're very close to your mum, for instance. There's something for you about the power of strangers and the power of forging new connections. 100%. Like it's, I know it's just like, as humans, we're just beautiful creatures. And it's like, it's just amazing because I guess, when you meet somebody like it's you meet in all their experiences and all that so there's so much to it you know in this day and age like how do you how does one how do we meet new people if it's not like think about like you get to a point where like what well, you've got your job you work in 95 you know the people that you work with you've got your family and you've got your friend circles and then it's really hard like i guess the last proper like environment that you're always constantly meeting people is at university because you are always constantly meeting different people all the time so I guess I didn't, like more as you become an adult stuff like that. Like I guess you can join different groups and take yourself out there kind of thing. So I guess I've always just really enjoyed, uh, and as a result, listen, you make friends from all around the world, and and uh, you've always can like I guess when you have quality time, even if it is an experience that you like met somebody in Brazil and stayed with them for like a week, or you had somebody visit me. Like for example, I had um, these two German girls that visited me in Sheffield for new, they literally came, they were like, they were like, um, they wanted to celebrate New Year's Eve somewhere different. So they messaged me and they were like, can we come and celebrate New Year's Eve with you in Sheffield? Never met them before, completely <laughs> right? So they came to Sheffield and then the following year I went to Germany and celebrated New Year's Eve with them and their mates kind of thing. So it's just like, unless the internet, honestly the internet has been such a powerful tool in terms of um alleviating people feeling lonely kind of because I always think like trying to go back to a time whether that be like what the 60s so whether there was like the internet wasn't a thing and you the people that you can only interact with were the people that are around you um yeah and you know what you strike me well you strike me as someone who is incredibly resourceful because you know the internet can also be a force for loneliness but I feel like you know you say okay this is this is what I want from my connection whether that's meeting strangers or whether that's connecting with people I know very well and I've known for years a lot of people have said to me during the pandemic that what they miss is that incidental social connection that incidental incidental social connection you might get in an office or you know, going to a bar or whatever. But I feel like you have said, look, I, I like meeting strangers. And so uh, whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to use the internet to do that. So that's, you know, chat roulette, you you know, using that. Yeah. So sometimes, I guess, sometimes you just want to speak to people and just have that, but you don't want to see them afterwards. Like you don't want, you're, you're just looking for like, um, just a little kind of like, not a fling, but you know, just a little kind of like a, connection of some sort and i guess that's where the internet is great because you can meet any completely different strange from different part of the world there's no judgment like you can talk about whatever you want you know it's not gonna like go around or kind of like you can you're a bit more free to whatever so it's it's just that in itself and you, you might just think well that's all i want and then 
I'm happy never seeing you again. <laughs> kind of thing. And then let's just kind of just keep it moving, kind of. So there's something beautiful in that in itself and as well. And of course, like, sometimes like you may think you want to kind of like, because I've got friends that I've met online and that have just ended up being good friends. Like, for example, one of my, one of my friends, I'm not much of a game. I don't play any game, like kind of consoles and that sort of stuff. But he literally has made a group of friends that he's met completely by playing online game together and where they've gone to each other's weddings and they're really good mates kind of thing. And literally that's just all through meeting online. So I think it's a, like, it's a real thing that you can actually like, cause you see, cause when we were young, it was all about having pen pals, wasn't it? Like, oh, I've got a pen pal in this country kind of thing, but it's like now it's, it's just a lot easier to actually forge and build relationships online. Mm. And do you think having that quality of connection and all those different types of connections, do you think in a way that helps you when you're alone? Do you think that helps you to be able to appreciate it by contrast? Yeah, 100%. Because even when you're feeling lonely, I guess it's, you always don't, because sometimes you want, like, somebody would want a long, deep connection or kind of would want to see a familiar face, somebody that knows them that they want to connect with. Or sometimes it's just, you just want to have it, get something off your chest and you haven't got somebody to speak to. And I guess you can speak with a complete random stranger. I guess it's not everybody, put it this way, people feel comfortable. I've got different comfortable levels and some people would be comfortable to go on Amigo or chat roulette or whatever. Or some people would be not comfortable in doing that. Or some people literally might not be comfortable to speak to a friend or a family that they know, but they'd be happy to speak to a stranger kind of thing. So it's just, it's, I guess trying to fulfill your needs but also like there's also a thing of like importance of being comfortable with yourself and I think that's something that I guess we can all necessarily work on because we are who we are and I guess we're not happy with certain aspects of ourselves like if we're toxic in certain ways that we talk negatively about ourselves or whatever it is that are things that we can work on to which I guess inevitably would kind of help us to be okay with being alone with ourselves and enjoying our own company so at times when we're feeling lonely we can instantly think of like oh, i just need to speak someone like kind of like think externally and not really kind of think internally and trying to like uh, in that aspect and i guess spirituality can also and uh, play uh, a big role in that like and uh, i like as much as i pray like five times a day that kind of like like some people might kind of I don't know like just do like practice other forms of spirituality or like praying or like or whatever it is and I guess it's just whatever I guess helps people I don't know be at one or kind of be comfortable or with themselves or I don't know it's, it's just that I'm, what I'm trying to get at it's like at times like the answer cannot just it's not always a case of thinking externally kind of thing it can also be internally as well right that's it's it, so that's interesting because um, I, I did want to ask how religion comes into it for you because you know I know that you're from a Muslim background and is, you know is it and, and praying five times a day would you say that, that that allows you that degree of introspection is that is that the reason that you're able to spend that time you know with yourself where um, do you think you would be able to without it? An uh, interesting question. So it's. So I guess, do you know, when it comes to religion, it's like, it's like, whether that be the Muslim faith to Christian, whatever it is, I think it's, it's different for everyone. You know, so I guess from my perspective, it's just praying five times a day. Like, it's just 
for me, it just kind of grounds me more than anything else. And, 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 all and it just kind of enables me to kind of like connect with my creator, the creator, like our the creator of the world kind of thing. And it's just, I don't know, it kind of just makes me kind of grounds me and does give me that introspection and kind of thing. And it's, um, so it's like, I guess I would like it's whether like, is it like, I'm trying to think if I, if I'm lonely, do I pray extra hard or anything? Not necessarily kind of thing. So for me, it's just um, something that I just do all the time. But even as praying, you can still feel lonely. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's the answer to, it's not a conclusive answer to not being lonely kind of thing. So it's, I guess it can be different. Like, so yes, I pray. Yes, I speak to with online strangers. Yes, I speak with and and uh, friends and and online. So it's 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 a combination of lots of different things. But I guess for a lot of people, religion or spirituality for some people can play can play a big role in terms of loneliness. Because I guess if people feel like they've got that direct connection with God, and uh, that can help them that can kind of quench their thirst of loneliness at time or kind of give them um something she would say I think that's so beautifully put like quench their thirst of loneliness I think that's lovely I've never heard anyone describe it like that um and have you always have you always prayed five times a day that's always been something that you've kept up throughout your life not yes and no if I'm being honest with you but it's um so yeah, so it's like it's I've I've always like like practiced like I guess being a Muslim is much more than just prayer. Of course, you pray, but you also you fast during the uh, month of Ramadan. You're also obligatory to kind of like um, to actually give back to come with like to like um, through charity and and so yeah, so there's lots of different um, elements. So yeah, I would say like it's I've always been practicing for sure. Yeah, yeah. And in, in talking about that, you know, that time with yourself, that introspection, in your book, you write that uh, the most important conversations you can have are with yourself. How do you personally, how do you make those conversations happen? And what kind of questions do you ask yourself? Great question. <laughs> For me, it's just trying to ask myself big questions. And I think it's, I found anyway, personally, it's because I would always make myself like really busy. I would always be busy, but it would also kind of mean that I would never really address certain things and really try to ask myself big questions, just trying to figure kind of things out. So I guess the questions like I tend to really like ask myself like a couple of questions, like for example, like like who am I? I know it's like it seems like such a because in terms of just like right, who are you? Like who like like where am I from? Like in terms of like how have I got to where I am? Like what what characteristics make me who I am? Because you know, like how people always struggle. Like, oh, um, that question when people say, Choo, "What are three words best describe you?" Kind of thing. And people always kind of struggle because they don't necessarily know kind of thing. And I guess at times it's, um, it's I guess you're just trying to know yourself more than anything else. So like, also like asking myself like why I'm here. Like, in terms of what is my purpose, like, um, what is my purpose in actually being here? And that can lead to like asking questions like, what can I actually do? Like, what am I capable of doing more than uh, anything else? And like, where am I going? Like, like in terms of just what is my kind of future plan kind of thing? So like, it's honestly, and as well, it's 
it's not easy. Well, I find it not easy anyway. Asking, like having conversations with myself to really try and better understand what makes me who I am, which can help answer questions of why I act how I am or why, why I am where I am and where I'm going to potentially be going. And all the advice question and having conversation myself kind of also enables me to, I guess, I guess it's probably like, Giving myself therapy, like probably kind of thing, but it's um, it's it, it can be really uncomfortable. You're right. I think a lot of people, you know, you'll be asked, "What are the three qualities that describe you?" And you wouldn't know. I, I didn't think I would know how to answer that question. And I think I'm quite good at introspection. I think I, you know, I journal quite a bit. Um, so it, it's funny, isn't it, how we don't ask ourselves those basic questions? And you spoke about yeah, that feeling of discomfort. How do you make that happen despite the discomfort? Do you know, honestly, like, like, I'll be honest with you, I was forced into it by lockdown, like during the first lockdown, just because it's it's so easy to put things off. I'm like, I'm just busy. Like, I'm just like so busy with what's happening and well, stuff like that. I don't really didn't give myself time to kind of self-reflect and do that introspective kind of thing. So it was like, whereas I was like, right. And honestly, it was welcome. Then it was like, it's, and it kind of helped me kind of like overcome certain issues and kind of just trying to solve certain things. And it's like, so I wouldn't necessarily like journal, but it's a case of like having a conversation with myself in the sense of just, just thinking about certain things and just like questioning. It's like, that is like, like, it's not like I'll be like, right. Like you, you wouldn't like walk in on me just sat on my table by myself looking into, into the wall kind of thing. But it's like, <laughs> It's an ongoing thing throughout my entire day. Like I'll be kind of thinking like when I'm cooking, I'll be thinking when I'm clean, I'll be thinking like when I'm in bed for a sleep, I'll be kind of thinking, trying to answer these questions kind of thing. Because it's not, it isn't, it's not something that comes instantly kind of thing. It requires time and, and effort. So it's, um, I know sometimes like it's, I know some people that literally ask the, ask the closest people around them uh, questions about themselves because like, at times, like our closest friends, our partner or our family, whoever it is, at times they may not be as honest with you by fear of not wanting to hurt you or anything like that. Whereas if you to say, say, listen, I'm trying to do better, can you, can I just ask you some questions like in terms of like, because of course they will have one view of you. And I'm sure if you to go to another friend, different person, they will have a different view. But I guess mainly that can kind of help raise some, say if you have some bad habits or something like this, that because at times, looking at problems or yourself from a different lens can also kind of help and, and at times and I guess it has to be somebody that you trust if I'm being honest with you somebody like it's um, because it's yeah it has mm. to be somebody you trust finally the the title of this podcast is alonement and that is my words to describe when time alone is either fulfilling or it's, you know, it's either a fulfilling time or it's a fun time or it's both, you know, it's, it's, it's joyful and fulfilling and it just, you know, it, it makes you feel like your alone time is quality time. What is that for you? That time for me can literally be anything from before I'm going to give a speech of some sort, I'm literally like just want to be by myself just to gather my thoughts together and just kind of any big moment I, I just tend to be by myself and I've never necessarily thought 
this is my alone time and this is not my alone time kind of thing. So it's always just been a kind of a fluid process of like where I've just like at times I've been alone when it's necessary to be alone and I can be at different times in all honesty. So like now I'm alone all the time in terms of physically alone, but I don't feel alone just because of working, speaking with people, knowing that there are people that care about me, people I care for equally. I'm kind of camera. So it's, so it's, I don't feel bad. Of course, there's times where I just want to completely be by myself. And whether that be Litchie, I always want to chill out in my bed, watch a film, have some snacks. And that's basically, I just don't want to be around anyone. And because as well, like, I guess it's like, depending on what job or what role that you do, because things can just take up so much energy. And at times when you're around people all the time, like you have to, well, you don't have to be, but like it re- people require your attention and your presence. You kind of have to give yourself as much. And, and then at times you're like, yeah, I'm just done. Like I've had enough, I've had my fair share of human interaction and me and people. And I just want to just chill out. And th- that could be by yourself or that can be like, you know, I just want to chill out with my significant, although we, I just want to hang out with a friend with this one specific friend and nobody else kind of thing and yeah so it depends yeah yeah and as a that's interesting as a public figure as well you know especially in your capacity as as Lord Mayor for instance you know would you say that that helped you almost yeah prepare and recover for the those big bouts of outward facing time yeah or anything big if I'm just, I just I always need time to myself kind of thing so like even though you'll have like your staff and people with you and stuff like that. I'll just be like, guys, can I just get a minute, please? And I will just always just, and they understand kind of thing. And it's just, I just, just a space and a time for me just to gather myself. Thank you so much, Madhu. It's been so great to speak to you. No, likewise, Francesca. It's been a Thank you so much for listening. Remember that eye-rolling cliche as it is, sharing really is caring. So if you enjoyed this episode and think others would benefit from it too, click the share button to send it to a friend or post the link on social media. That's all for now. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.